0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new and improved edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined in the same room for the first time in the 2020 season by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. Wes, welcome to our new studio here at 1265.
1: Well, what's cool, Mike, is you've been a part of this now for a while. You've been doing our unscripted here, I think the last, what, 17, 18 of them in our grand new studio here at Lambeau Field. Yeah. When I've been stuck in my boss Duke Bobber's office. So uh, I'm happy to join you finally. Uh, We are managing this the best that we can. But I'd be lying if I said it didn't feel to have just a small bit of normalcy Seeing your beautiful face here on this wonderful Tuesday.
0: Well, the, uh, the feeling is mutual, my friend. <laughs> so uh, before we get going here, I do want to throw out a little bit of sponsor business to our good friends at Sirius XM NFL Radio. Channel 88 on Sirius XM is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. All right, Wes, the Packers bye week has concluded and they are getting ready for a trip to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. The Packers are 4-0. The offense is ranked among the best in the league. The defense is ranked middle of the pack in various important categories. I want to just get your thoughts here. Offensively, this has been the story that's dominating the Green Bay Packers in 2020, how efficient, how productive the offense has been. But we always hear from Matt LaFleur. You look at the film, yes, there are always ways to improve. So on the offensive side of the ball, as the Packers are coming out of the bye week here, what do you see as a potential area of improvement?
1: Well, I think the one thing I would like to see, especially now as you see the offensive line, they finally have a a set five, it appears to be, with Lucas Patrick at right guard and, and Billy Turner at right tackle. I think they have a good feeling for what they have in the backfield. I basically isolate it in those red zone situations uh, where I think they can take that next step. Now, it's interesting. They've actually been pretty productive when they're kind of between that 5 and 20-yard line. I mean, you look at the passes to Robert Tanyan against the Falcons, some of the plays that they've generated there. But when you get more towards those goal-to-goal situations, that's where it's been kind of hit or miss for them at this point. They've had some great triumphs there, and they've gotten stopped twice uh, in fourth and goal from the own one Obviously Jair Alexander sort of bailed him out of that last one. <laughs> and then right. certainly it happened again there against the Falcons. But I think if they can find the right remedy there, and that was one thing that after that game, Matt LaFleur kind of, you know, lamented the call and, and some of the things he wished he could have changed because I'll tell you what, Mike, in the the eighty yards in the middle of that field, the Packers have been really difficult to stop. It's just a question of okay, when the defense is then able to condense a little bit more, still winning those downs. I think if the Packers really you know, harness that area this game, uh, they're going to be really a a force here in the second, I guess technically second quarter of the season. I almost said second
0: half of the season. Sure. I'm with you there. I mean, this is definitely nitpicking with the way the offense is rolling and the points that it has been putting up. But if I were to point to one area, I would say short yardage. And it goes along with what you said. You mentioned the two fourth and goals at the one against the Vikings and the Falcons where the Packers were stopped. They were also stopped on a key fourth and one at midfield in New Orleans. Now, as it turned out, none of those stops damaged the Packers as much as they potentially could have. But when you look at the fact that if you take out the... uh, the kneel downs at the end of the half or the end of the game, you take those possessions out. The Packers have scored on 27 out of 35 possessions so far in four games. And when you look at three of those eight stops were due to the fourth and ones, the two at the goal line and the one at midfield, this offense is like super, super close to to almost literally being unstoppable. So I, you know, the Packers have options in the backfield, Aaron Jones, he obviously converted, I believe it was on a fourth and goal at the one in one of the other games. He did score at the goal line there. I think that was against New Orleans. You have Jamal Williams, you have A.J. Dillon as another option as a power back. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has run plenty of play action, passes out of short yardage. But I think if the, if the Packers shore up that, we heard from Matt LaFleur all last season about wanting to be in those manageable down and distances on third down. You get into third and short and fourth and short, The Packers the Packers can convert those at a better rate. And if they do, they're going to be that much more dangerous.
1: Yeah, and one thing that, you know, we talk about that, but I actually really do like the aggressiveness that Matt LaFleur has shown in those situations. I think
0: absolutely, I agree with you. You there.
1: go back about 10 years, Mike, there was always like this pressure, okay, this is where you maybe want to, you know, look to have a field goal or something like that. But as much as, it, as great as it is to have three points on the board, there is something about that field position advantage that a team puts themselves in, in being able to manage that throughout the game. And I think that that's one of probably the hallmarks of this year's team time of possession, and field position. The opposition hasn't had a lot of great you know, opportunities in terms of where they've started from. And even in those situations, whether it was the Jair Alexander sack or the Packers making the Falcons go the long way and then ultimately, I believe, getting stopped when they tried to move the ball down after the fourth and goal stop at Lambeau Field last week. So The the defense, I thought, they have really been put into an advantageous situation in that regard. And, you know, you want to be able to, my floor always says, you want to do, you know, all gas, no break. You want to keep your foot on the pedal. And they've definitely done that. Again, it's just about taking that next step and really putting themselves in an area where, I mean, you look offensively, whether it's total yards, points, production, uh, few in the league right now have done what Green Bay has done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, what would you pinpoint as the most important area of improvement for Mike Pettin and his crew?
1: Well, we saw it in the Atlanta game. It's the run defense. And that's the one benefit that I think we've seen uh, as many injuries as the Packers have had to deal with here in the first half of the season, uh, how guys have responded. They didn't have Kenny Clark for the last three and a half games. So what does that mean? That means that Tyler Lancaster has to step up at nose tackle. It means Kingsley Kiki has to become a force there in that dime defensive line role. And both of those guys did that. They lost Kamal Martin at the beginning of the season. So here's Chris Barnes out of nowhere. He has to be the run-down linebacker. Christian Kirksey goes down with an injury. Then it's up to Barnes and Ty Summers to fill in. And I think what ultimately happened, the Packers did take some bumps and bruises here early on. But that Atlanta game, to me, showed that, yeah, even if they don't have Clark out there, even if they don't have Kirksey out there, They can be a good run defense, and I thought the defensive front put together their best performance. Now, can they stack it against Ronald Jones in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this upcoming weekend? Because they probably, you know, we'll see what happens with practice, but it appears likely that they'll be getting Kenny Clark here back sooner than later. We'll have to see what happens with Kirksey. Kamal Martin returned to practice as well this week, so maybe he'll be in the fold here soon, but the lessons that the Barnes the Kikis, the Lancasters learned over these first four weeks, I think that's going to pay dividends for the Packers in the long run.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think the the way Mike Pettin has been forced to uh, to reach into his depth a little bit and getting some of these guys, especially a, a young guy like Barnes, an yeah. undrafted rookie, uh, certainly falls into that category. We'll see, as you mentioned, Kamal Martin getting back to practice if within the next few weeks maybe he's able to get on the field. Though so Getting that experience early in a rookie season can can really pay off down the road i I agree with you there if i were to point to two areas I, i wrote this in in inbox over the bye week tackling and takeaways i think those are the two areas that mike pettin's defense can improve upon I thought the first two games of the season the tackling was solid. Yeah. We weren't talking about missed tackles, but the last two games the Saints and the Falcons, we all know what happened in New Orleans with the missed tackles on Alvin Kamara. Against the Falcons, there were several missed tackles again, but it was it was different in the sense that the the missed tackles actually prevented the defense from putting themselves in really good situations they were missing tackles for loss where then the ball carrier was getting back to the line of scrimmage or getting a two or three right. yard gain and I guess in some ways this goes hand in hand because if you get a get an offense in second and 14 as opposed to second and nine well that's when the takeaways right. might start to happen and the Packers You know, they hurt themselves and didn't give themselves those opportunities against the Falcons because of the missed tackles. Overall, the Packers are plus three in the turnover margin through four games. That's a good spot to be in because you're on pace to get into plus double digits by the end of the season, and that is where you want to be. But they're plus three mostly because the offense has zero turnovers. The defense only has three takeaways, and three takeaways through four games, there have been opportunities for more. I think if the Packers start to capitalize defensively on those opportunities, we will start to see a different look to this unit as the season goes along.
1: Yeah, and and it's funny you bring that up, because this defense is different when they're in second and third and long, just the way they can use the Darius Smith changes. And as I mentioned with Kingsley Kiki, you know, with Kenny Clark coming back here, the number of ways that Mike Pettin is going to be able to use him. This guy doesn't have to be an 85% defensive, you know, snap player. You can be more strategic in terms of the dime defense or if you want to use him on rundowns given the situation. That's what they needed to see from that defensive line group. And, you know, a, a real big positive for Green Bay was Rashawn Gary being back at practice too on Monday. If he's able to play, you've seen the way that they can move all those pieces around There's just a swagger to that group. There's just a a momentum shift that you feel. And a lot of times, that ends up leading to takeaways. It leads to the forced fumbles which was a huge emphasis going into this season. It leans, it leads into timely turnovers like the, the interception that Chandon Sullivan had a couple weeks ago for the pick six. And certainly Jair Alexander, that's just the one thing left for him, I think, to becoming an elite cornerback in this league. Yeah. He talked about that interception he almost had two weeks ago. He's looking to the end zone. He needs to look that ball in. He does that. He becomes a five-interception player in this league per season. That's when you start to realize exactly what his upside is going to be in addition to being a lockdown, shutdown cornerback.
0: Yeah, you look at the takeaway opportunities the last couple of games. You mentioned Alexander with a possible pick six against New Orleans, but he wasn't quite able to bring the ball in. There were two other times the Saints put the ball on the ground, once on a kickoff return, once on a, uh, a sack by Kiki of Drew Brees, but the Packers weren't able to come right. up with those fumbles. Matt Ryan threw a, a terrible pass, quite frankly, on a uh, on a slant, and the Packers had two defenders. I believe it was Barnes and Savage both essentially taking the ball away from each other in a sense because they each had a chance to uh to get that one and unfortunately the Packers didn't come up with it but those are the opportunities that you have to you have to seize on it because Drew Brees is only going to fumble on a sack maybe once a game right Matt Ryan is only going to throw that bad pass into traffic once a game the Packers didn't capitalize on those opportunities you start capitalizing on those down the road I think the picture changes for this defense um Quickly here, Wes, a little more sponsor business. Gear up for game day, folks. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at AssociatedBank.com backslash Packers. All right, well, give me your thumbnail sketch here of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Packers opponent for this Sunday. They lost week one on the road. NFC South rival New Orleans. They're one to start the Tom Brady era. Then they win three straight, and they've got a 13-nothing lead last Thursday night in Chicago looking like they were going to make it a four-game winning streak. Suddenly everything turns. The offense can't get anything going. They only kick two more field goals at Soldier Field the rest of that ball game. The Buccaneers come out on the short end, and suddenly they're sitting at 3-2 and two. And looking to avoid 3-3 and after six games with an undefeated Packers team coming to Tampa.
1: Yeah, it's funny too, Mike, because Tampa Bay, I think, is going to be a headache for everyone this year. Uh, You're never going to be able to sleep on them, but you're also (laughs) not sure what you're going to get in the Buccaneers. And that game was a perfect example of that. You know, for them to get a 100-yard game out of Ronald Jones, who looks like he's going to be an exceptional running back in this
0: league. No doubt. You
1: know, Tom Brady, we know what he's kind of become at age 43. I mean, he can still win you a ball game, but it's very high percentage. It's allowing guys to create plays. Mike Evans leading the league in touchdowns right now. That defense, for as up and down as they were last year, if you didn't pay enough attention to the Buccaneers, their defense was terrific last season. And a lot of those same playmakers are back, though now they've lost Vita Vea. So from that regard, you can't sleep on them. But at the same time, way too many penalties against the Bears came back to haunt them. An inability to finish drives in the second half. An inability to establish a four-minute offense at the end of that Bears game that could have shut the door on it. And overall, just not enough execution. And I think in some regards, it's probably a product of a team that has just had to come together this season. New quarterback, new coach, new philosophies. There's been a lot of upheaval in Tampa Bay uh, with their personnel, not to mention, you know, you have Gronk there now as their tight end. So, in that regard, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. There's been some up and down roller coaster ebb and flow here in the early part of the season. But at the same time, you can't look at that and be like, well, you know, the Packers, this is an automatic win. They need to play more disciplined. They need to be efficient, especially early on to set the tone in that game. And they need to be able to close it out. Because if you look at the the wins and losses for the Buccaneers so far this season, when they've closed things out, they've won. When they haven't been able to, you get a result like they did against Chicago.
0: Yeah. Tom Brady, it looked like he had things going there for a while, but you look at his overall season so far. And as you mentioned, new head coach, he's coming in a whole new offense. He's learning a whole bunch of stuff, but Tom Brady's made his share of mistakes so mm-hmm. far. He's thrown two pick sixes this year, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. One against New Orleans, one against the Chargers. He was able to come back from a 17 point deficit against the Chargers and and pull out that victory a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure Thursday night it can't be fun for a quarterback in his early 40s to have to play a game on a short week with the travel up from Tampa to Chicago. That was, uh, you know, the circumstances were not in the Buccaneers favor there. But again, they started out the game with a 13-0 lead. It looked like they were going to cruise to another victory and then everything turned for them. This this is a this is an interesting one, Wes, because with the way things are in the NFC right now, Seattle is 5-0. The Packers are 4-0. The Rams are 4-1. The Bears are 4-1. I mentioned Tampa Bay here, they they're trying to avoid a 3-3 yeah. start. They really after that loss last week on Thursday night, they really want to get to four and two and keep themselves in that conversation amongst the contenders at the top of the NFC, especially with this year. There's only one first round by in the playoffs. You get the number two seed, you're still playing in a wild card game. So yeah. the the fight for the top of the conference and to try to get that first round by, it's going to be pretty heated all the way along. And Tampa Bay wants wants to keep themselves in that mix.
1: Yeah, and you and I could have a two hour unscripted where I continue to just be beside myself about these seven teams making it in each conference, but we won't go there. Uh, (laughs) We'll save that
0: discussion for January, perhaps. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh,
1: What I do think, though, is the one, whether you view it as a benefit or a detractor, the one thing that this change has made is it's given it kind of more of a college football feel now, where it's like, okay, you got to play well from week one, if you want to be the number one seed in your conference, you have to be able to to keep that going to play for the national championship, so to speak. Yeah. So, that, that's what's at stake here. Uh, that's why it actually really did matter that the Vikings weren't able to pull off that win over Seattle because now Seattle's 5-0 and and the Packers are trying to get to catch up and stay, stay at that pace, especially in an NFC that appears to have just incredible parity this year when you look at the issues that San Francisco's had and some of these other teams already taking two losses to begin the season. So, yeah, that's why this game is pivotal. And it's pivotal from the Tampa Bay's perspective, too, because here they are in a position where they can try to get some distance in the south if they get this win. So I think it's going to be a great matchup. Seeing the chess match between Mike Pettin and and Tom Brady and then obviously Aaron Rodgers going against the pressure packages in the front that the Buccaneers have, it's going to be great theater. The only question I have is you're going down to Tampa. It's going to be 85 degrees or whatever it's going to be. Uh, we haven't seen those type of conditions in a while. Right. Um, you know, I go back to, I think it was when they played Tampa in 14. It was a pretty toasty day in December, if I remember right. But the guys got to get acclimated to that, and they got to be able to rise to the occasion. They did in New Orleans. They did in Minnesota. They have to do it again.
0: Well, you mentioned the Packers trying to keep pace with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is five and zero. The Packers are going to try to get to five and zero. You've also got the Chicago Bears at four and one. Is if the Packers were to stumble, suddenly there's a tie atop the NFC North. So Green Bay trying to trying to keep themselves there. Really interesting though. Before we go here, I, I just have to get your opinion on what's going on in Seattle because. <laughs> Cam Newton for the Patriots is 1 yard away on the goal line from beating the Seahawks on the last play of the game. Can't do it. The Minnesota Vikings have multiple fourth downs both on offense and on defense yeah. to try to put the Seahawks away and they can't do it. And the Seattle Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks have the worst defense in the league statistically in which terms is of yards allowed, right? which which when you think about it is is mind-boggling. Yeah. They have the last ranked defense in the league in terms of yards allowed yet they're five and zero. and uh I, this this race in the nfc for playoff spots playoff positioning everything else it's going to really really be entertaining here as we go along
1: you had to edit my insider inbox for tuesday i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too because i know a lot of people always ask and it came up a lot last season about green bay and, yeah. and 13 and 3 what does that mean what does right. it mean when you're five and zero? uh but you know right now they've they've kind of struggled to win with style points the seattle seahawks have and my contention is it doesn't matter. Now, in a 16 game season, that separates the cream from the rest of the crop here. And it is going to ultimately be can Seattle continue to do this and be a 14 and 12, 13 and 3, 12 and 4 type ball club? Can they actually accomplish that? Or are you going to see them come back a little bit, sort of like how Green Bay sort of came back down to earth in 15 before it run the table? So th- that's where I'm kind of stuck. In terms of exactly where this all goes, sixteen by the way, from yes, the table. Yes, that's right. Make sure I correct myself. <laughs> that, that's what it all comes down to. Because right now you can't dog them for being five and zero. They found a way, regardless of how they did it, to win five games. It is way too difficult to do that in the National Football League. This is not college football. Yep. You're not playing, you know, these these FBS low, you know, mid major schools to get to five and zero to start a conference season. No, this is the NFL. And they've had to play real competition week in and week out. And they got the Minnesota Vikings' best game, and they still found a way to win it. I think you have to tip your cap to them for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it last year with the Packers. Yes, they were winning close games, pulling games out in the fourth quarter. You always deserve credit for that. You look at it as, hey – they probably haven't played their best game yet. I don't know if we actually saw the Packers' best game in 2019, even in going 13-3, and winning a playoff game, making it to the NFC Championship. We're starting to see maybe the Packer, the Packers' best game that we thought we might see last year. We're starting to see that yeah. here at the beginning of 2020. With regard to the Seahawks, that is a team that has played really really good defense for a long time with where their defense is ranked right now i will just say the seattle seahawks aren't playing their best football but they're winning they still they have things that they can improve on and get better so to me it's like you know, some people look at it as well they're right on the edge and they're going to fall off the cliff i look at it as watch out because yeah. this team has areas where it can play better and i think and i think it will and Seattle right now is, is obviously in the catbird seat at 5-0. and oh. They're fortunate to be there, but I think it's a position they're going to take advantage well,
1: of. Well, and the reality is, too, they have a future Hall of Fame quarterback. I, I, I don't think there's any you know wrong reason to say that, that that's where the trajectory is pointing for Russell Wilson. Absolutely. And now he has a weapon in DK Metcalf that is averaging 22 yards per catch right now. When you have that type of explosivity to your offense, it doesn't matter what your defense does. Ask the 2011 Packers. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So you have to outscore the opposition, and through the first five games of the season, Seattle's done just that.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, all the preview coverage leading up to Packers Buccaneers on Sunday on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody.